Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Happy holidays, Incline listeners. Hope you're doing all well out there and having a great Christmas. If you haven't, if it hasn't already happened yet, if you're listening early, well, I hope you got all your shopping done. Kevin Klein here. Uh, this is going to be kind of a free-for-all, just we get episode because we are still in the MLB lockout. But we did have some Dodgers news. Despite there being a lockout, it was reported today that before the lockout had occurred, that the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger have agreed to a one-year $17 million deal, thus avoiding arbitration. Last season, Cody Bellinger made $16.1 million, so a slight little bonus for Bellinger heading into the 2022 season. But the time is ticking because he will be a free agent after the 2023 season is concluded. But let me pass it off to Jake Reiner. How you doing, Jake? Doing good. You know, it was nice to get a little bit of uh, Dodgers news during the lockout, although it did get done before uh, the lockout occurred. The news just broke. So that's great uh, to have Cody Bellinger back, even though we figured that was going to be the case anyway. I think we've all kind of uh, thought about this, that I that, that we all believe that Bellinger is primed for a big 2022, given what happened at the end of last season, how he came alive down the stretch and especially in the postseason um, that one NLCS games game. I think it was, was it game four or game five uh, in LA or maybe even game three. I can't remember. It was one of the games in LA. It's, you know, the reason I can't remember is because I've kind of blocked everything out about that series after, after it happened, because it was agony for most part. And that game that Bellinger uh, hit that home run to tie it up. Um, that was a terrible game up until that point. Yeah, definitely. Last season is now becoming a blur, according to Jake Reiner, but that's okay because there was a lot of nonsense that went on. David Rosenthal, how you doing? Got your Christmas shopping done? Yeah, for the most part, Kevin. Uh, how are you guys? Good? Good. Okay, Bellinger. I've been saying since before we lost Corey Seager that he is going to be the reason – They'll be okay if they lose Corey Seager. Well, we lost Corey Seager, and I think Bellinger is going to get back to close to his 2019 form. I'm not saying he's going to win an MVP. I'm not saying he's going to have an OPS over 1,000, 40 home runs, anything like that. But I am thinking he's going to hit 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, average in the 260s, high war, high on base, and great defense. Uh, Last year was a mess for him, injury-wise, swing-wise, And then as we saw late in the season in the playoffs, he started to look like himself again. He adjusted, and that was by far the most encouraging part of pretty much the entire Dodgers season. 
Um, he's going to be good. And, and what this, this 17 million may look like a lot uh, for someone who had a historically bad 95% of his season last year. But you, when you got to realize when arbitration, how arbitration works is once you get a salary, it, it's not going to go below what you got before. So that, that 2020 salary uh, and 2021 salary was based off his MVP season in 2019, in which I believe he set the record for highest uh, either first or second year arbitration salary or, or highest gap between his, his previous year and after that. So forget the salary. This is barely an increase to what he made, which reflects his poor season. Bottom line, I think Cody Bellinger is going to have a big year, and this is, this is good that they got it avoided arbitration because that can, get, that can always get messy. I would say he was a very expensive 165 hitter, but we talked about Andrew Jones last week. So we've been there, done that, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> Cody Bellinger is going to bounce back in a big way in 2022. He's too talented not to, I uh, had talked about the shoulder surgery was going to be a concern for most of this season. And obviously the tibia fracture and other things played a factor, but now that Bellinger gets to rest, he will be bit, he will be big in 2022. And I just always found it kind of surprising that it was even in the conversation that some people speculated that the Dodgers might non-tender Cody Bellinger. That was, that was a bunch of crap. Anyone who thought that that was going to happen doesn't know ball. But even, I think even was, it was one of the main media sites where some executives, a couple executives thought that the Dodgers might actually let him go in free agency. And if that was ever going to be the case, we would look back in Dodgers history and say, what are they doing? $17 million at the end of the day for a player that has the potential and already demonstrated the ceiling is Bellinger yep. is something that they can write off the books, whether it works out or not. hundred percent. Two more. We have two more years of Bellinger guaranteed and we'll find out what this guy's really made out of. And once free agency comes, that will be a whole discussion in its own of what kind of contract Cody Bellinger truly can command. Yeah, just real quick on the non-tender front. I mean, we're not the, the Dodgers are not the Pittsburgh Pirates. If Cody Bellinger was on the Pittsburgh Pirates with the cheapest owner in baseball, or maybe even the Cleveland Indians, or the Guardians, excuse me, uh, maybe they get non-tendered. Maybe he gets non-tendered. Uh, but any reasonable owner would never, ever, ever dream of non-tendering this guy. Like Kevin said, $17 million is not that much in today's game. He won the MVP two years ago. He showed signs last year. He played great defense, has good speed. You're not non-tendering that guy, period, unless you're one of two or three teams who is also, just straight poverty. Also, I know we shouldn't play the, the what-if game here, but let's cut Cody Bellinger some slack for the injuries. I mean, yeah, Kike Hernandez gave him a freak injury at the end uh, in the uh, 2020 playoffs. He had shoulder surgery. Then he got spiked and stepped on. I mean, there, there was a lot of uh, injury adversity that Cody Bellinger had to face. And I don't blame him for not being sharp coming back um, because you saw what happened once he basically got his legs underneath him and he was able to put good at bats together and make contact. He wasn't making contact for weeks, it seemed. But then once he figured it out, it sort of made me realize, okay, that's all he really needed was more time. And so I don't think we should get down on the 165 batting average because uh, that's just disregarding all the, the rest of the, uh, the context of it. Coming up next month, this will not 
be this will not be impacted by the MLB lockout, but the Hall of Fame will have some new entries potentially. And this is quite a this is quite a ballot this season. Maybe one of the most controversial in quite some time because we have some superstars from their era on their 10th and final year of eligibility. And then we have some new names that maybe can qualify and make the cut. Uh, We got one, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, that looks like he's going to get in as a first ballot guy, although things could change. I don't know how many guys vote for the Hall of Fame, but about 50-something ballots have been confirmed thus far. So I have the numbers right in front of me. But, yeah, no, no Dodgers, unfortunately, once again but it's okay. At least Gil Hodges got in. So 2022 hall of fame ballot. So I don't know how, how we want to start this one off, but the, the main guys that are on their 10th and final year include Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. Those are the big three. Uh, do any of you guys want to start with them in terms of, do you think they should be in the hall of fame? I, okay. So I've struggled with this for a long time because I'm trying to look at this from a perspective of the steroid era and the guys you just mentioned only Kurt Schilling wasn't, wasn't a part of that, but Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. uh, Well, actually I don't want to, I don't want to talk at a turn. Was Roger Clemens suspended for steroids ever? I don't think he was. Okay. So that's, so that's okay. So that's where I want to start with this and maybe get your guys' takes on this as well, because I feel like there needs to be some sort of standard set with the hall of fame voting, which is if you cheated and you cheated during a time where there were consequences, if you were caught and you were caught and suspended a la Manny Ramirez, a la Sammy Sosa, so on and so forth, or Rafael, a rod, Rafael Palmero, who, whoever, right. If you are in that camp, then maybe you should be disqualified from being voted in. Um, whereas the guys like Barry Bonds, who we know full well used steroids and showed up on the Mitchell report and all of that stuff. Well, Clemens we, was also on the Mitchell report. Let me just, right. No, I, I'm, I'm including Clemens. Okay. In this. Okay. I'm including Bonds and Clemens and, you know, Gary Sheffield and all these guys that showed up on the Mitchell report that weren't suspended. I feel like those guys need to be given some fair, fair shake and fair looked at because they, they were not, they were not found to be caught. They were not suspended as, as a part of the, as a part of the rules, even though we know that they did steroids at a time where it wasn't policed and everybody did it. So that's where I'm kind of moving towards maybe voting for guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens um, looking based on their numbers, because if you look at their numbers, they're Hall of Famers, no, no doubt about it. But it's, it's crazy because we've seen a few ballots leaked and some of them have some of the guys that were popped for steroids and some of them don't. And it's, there's kind of a mix and match. It doesn't really make sense. There's no clear through line as to what the thinking is. So I kind of want to just open it with that and get your guys' thoughts. I I have a hard line stance here. Anyone who used steroids should not be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care what their numbers are. I don't care if Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player in the history of the world. He does not belong in the Hall of Fame, period. It's 
there is irrefutable evidence that these guys use steroids. Period. Like it is, it is well known by everyone with a brain that these guys took steroids. And the suspension part does not matter one bit to me. And let me tell you why. You got guys who are engaging in, whether it be domestic violence or other things who aren't getting suspended by major league baseball. Marcelo Zuna got, got time served for choking his wife and hitting her. And what was his suspension? 20 games. So that that's just to illustrate the point that these suspensions, just because someone gets suspended or doesn't get suspended, doesn't mean they're, it was a fair or just suspension should sometimes it should be more. Sometimes it should be less. The governing body here gets it wrong quite a bit. And in this whole steroid era, MLB didn't want to shine light on these guys. They wanted it to go away. And what, what they're going to do is not suspend their, their biggest superstars. They're just going to turn a blind eye, try to put it in the past and move on. And that's exactly what major league baseball did with these steroids guys, period. And you can take that a step further. You can go to other governing bodies in the world, in politics, in countries, they get suspensions and all that kind of stuff wrong all the time. So I don't care who was suspended and who wasn't suspended. If you took steroids and there's irrefutable evidence that you did, which is the case for Clemens, Bonds, A-Rod, Ortiz, who was suspended and, and so on, you do not belong in the Baseball Hall of Fame, period. Now, I guess the question is, could, can you look at someone like Barry Bonds and say he would have, he would have, no. he would be a Hall of Famer without steroids? Yeah, yeah. I think he would be. I think he would be too. But he made a conscious decision to take steroids, not once throughout many years of his career. And when you make that decision, you are eliminated from Hall of Fame in my mind. Period. What about what there about a- the? What about the idea of voting someone in like Barry Bonds, but having some sort of asterisk or They're something not next to that, though? I know. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, like what would what would appease everybody is what I'm to, trying to, to have say. him not in the Hall of Fame is what would appease me. Um, I mean, it's 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 clear as day. There was a great article on ESPN. I forget who wrote it, but they they somehow use this zips formula to calculate what his stats would have been if he hadn't taken steroids. And uh, it was, I think he would have ended up, they said, with like 550 home runs, uh, way less war, way less everything, uh, which was a very cool article. And I, I read it all. I think I sent it to you guys. But his numbers without steroids would have been Hall of Fame worthy. But like I said, he made that conscious decision to cheat others, to cheat the game, and to cheat himself and take steroids. And in my mind, you're done, Barry. You're done, Roger. You're done. Everybody who took steroids, enjoy it. You're you're done in my mind. Okay. So, all right. I'll actually want to hear what Kevin's thoughts are on this because I have a few follow-up questions. My first comment is just Barry Bonds will probably be the last dude ever to put up a 600 on-base percentage. When you look at the stat sheet, it was mind-boggling what he did. But unfortunately, you have to put an asterisk on it because it was natural what he was doing. So this is how I look at it. Steroids were added to the MLB banned substance list in 1991. Unfortunately, they didn't start enforcing it till about 2003. But during that 12 year gap period, even if it's not enforced at the end of the day, you're still cheating the game. And, you know, that's where I, I draw a fine line. If you're breaking the rules, you break the rules. This is where 
in 15 years, I guess, down the line when we have the Jose Altuve's and the Carlos Correa's and the George Springer's who might be on the Hall of Fame ballot, I'm going to have the same reaction that I do now. If you cheat in the game, you're basically bashing the integrity of baseball. And that's not a Hall of Fame player to me because there's excellence on the field, but there's also excellence off the field in the locker room. And yeah, Barry Bonds is the home run champion on paper, but in reality, when you break the rules, you're not a champion. Okay, so here's my, here's my devil's advocate question. So then are we, are we going to expunge or do anything retroactively to the guys that have already made it to the Hall of Fame that, that cheated or that were known to have cheated in other ways, not just with steroids? Like what? I need examples, specific yeah. examples. You, yeah, you'd have to give us a... Yeah, I mean, you got guys like in the Hank Aaron era who took the, the greenies, the, what, equi- what equates to basically Adderall. Right. Uh, but that's not changing your physical body. Mm-hmm. that's where that's where I, I have a difference um okay obviously, uh you know taking adderall or or any kind of amphetamine like like the greenies were is going to enhance your focus and probably make you a better baseball player but when you change the alter when you alter your physical body your muscles and your strength that's that's different in my mind that's very different mm-hmm. yeah what about uh, have there have there been any guys on the mitchell report that have made it into the hall of fame yet. I don't think so. No. Okay. So at least there's that kind of, I guess, benchmark, but I don't know my, it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough because are, you know, you're, you, you can take a hard line on, on cheating or, or just specifically steroids. Um, But what about like the, but about like someone's character, like Kurt Schilling, his character, being called into question all the time. I mean, certainly the argument is you, you, if you ignore the character, you ignore what happened off the field, you ignore everything he's ever said. And you just look at his stats and his pitching. I know Kevin would disagree, but I think Kurt Schilling had hall of fame numbers, but you know, where, where do you draw the line? And, you know, are, are we dumb for allowing, you know, I know it's been tradition, but allowing baseball writers to determine who gets into the hall of fame and who doesn't. Like I said, it's not the hall of good people. It's the baseball hall of fame. It's what you do on a baseball field to me. Um, There's plenty of guys in the hall of fame who were bad people. I mean, look at Ty Cobb is the the number one who, who jumps out and he was way worse of a person than Kurt Schilling is. You don't have to agree with Kurt Schilling. I don't like Kurt Schilling. He's blocked me on Twitter uh, after I called him out for defrauding the state of Rhode Island uh, with his failed video game company. But he wasn't Ty Cobb. He isn't Ty Cobb, and Ty Cobb's in the Hall of Fame. And for me, I don't look at how good of a person you are or if you if my beliefs align with your beliefs. Um, he didn't kill anybody. He just he has strong opinions. He hasn't done anything that's, you know, completely – that would exclude him from being in the baseball hall of fame. And frankly, on the baseball field, he deserves it. Now he's a giant baby who wants to be taken off the hall of fame because he didn't get in last year or some politics reason. I I don't care, but you asked where I draw the line. I draw the line with cheating the game. If you cheat the game, you're out to me. If you are mean off the field or people don't like you, or I don't agree with your beliefs, I don't factor that in. 
That's, that's just not, it's not the hall of good people. We're not giving them a Nobel prize. We'll get into that with Jeff Kent in a little bit. Can I just, can I just end this uh, or just throw in my last bit of uh, opinion here? Because like I said at the beginning, I've struggled with this, the steroid thing, because when, when I was growing up watching baseball, I was like, absolutely not. These guys cheated. They're terrible people and screw them. Even though I very much enjoyed watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa go at it in 1998. And that's, you know, there's an argument there that that saved baseball at the time. Um, and it's what kind of brought a new cut kind of fan base to baseball is, is the home runs chicks dig the long ball, that whole thing. Um, I think that, you know, there's, it's a part of history. It's a part of the game. And I, I I'm right now, my belief is, and it could evolve. My, my belief is, is if you were suspended for steroids, then you shouldn't be allowed in. But if you were not suspended for steroids, I don't think you can be, I don't think you should be punished retroactively. And therefore if Barry Bonds were to get in, I would, I wouldn't be upset about it. That's fair. So I, I disagree, but that's fair. That's okay. So I, if I had a vote, I'm leaving Kurt Schilling off and it has nothing to do with his off the field actions or what he says online to people. I would just not vote for him because I don't think he was good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. And I look at some of the guys who were on the ballots previous years before him that didn't get in. So then clearly there's some type of standard. And if guys like Oral Hersizer or Dwight Gooden aren't in the MLB Hall of Fame, Kurt Schilling wasn't better than any of them. So why should he get in over those guys? I mean, David, I, you're the you're the Kurt Schilling guy. I mean, you're I not don't the, know if I want to be labeled as the Kurt Schilling guy. <laughs> you labeled you labeled me that last week. <laughs> I, I do think Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, baseball wise, he I disagree with Kevin. I think he's done enough. I mean, he has a 79.5 career WAR, 216 wins, 340 career ERA. Uh, the longevity was there. Over 3,000 innings, over 3,000 strikeouts, uh, 20 saves. He, he did it over 20 years in his career. I mean, he's basically done everything. I, I think he has a no Cy Young, no Cy Young. Okay. But he's finished second in the Cy Young three times, five time all-star. And I think he was the co world series MVP with a uh, big unit. Is that yes. right? Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a hall of fame career. I mean, there's no really way to dispute that. I mean, 3000 strikeouts over 200 wins, 80 career war over 20 years. I mean, that's, that's Hall of Fame tenure. And I don't think Oral Hershiser or uh, Dwight Gooden have, have put together that quite of a resume. Well, I, I would say Oral has, but maybe not Doc. I think in the baseball, when you're, when you're voting for Hall of Famers, I do think that there is a character clause, if I remember correctly, in, in the voting process where there isn't one in the NFL. So the NFL is just about voting for what happened on the field. And there is that character, that character clause in there when you are voting for uh, major league baseball players. And I think that it has to do with, you know, did they, do they represent the, represent the game? Well, do they represent the, you know, supposed values of the game and, and all of that? So, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't really think I, I'd want to vote for Kurt Schilling. Let's, let's get into guys. Okay, that we but hear me actually- out. Is it just real quick? Sorry, Kevin. It's here. Here's what it says. Voting shall be based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team on which the player played. Yep. So when you say character, 
does that mean on the field character or does that mean off the field character? Because by most, most or all accounts, Kurt Schilling was a good teammate. I think it's intentionally vague. I, I would agree, but that's how that's, I interpret it as on the field, what you yeah. do on a baseball field, not what you do after what you do on the field and with your teammates. Yeah, I would agree. Let's get into some guys that we actually would vote or think deserve to get into the hall of fame in 2022. So let me start with David. Give me, give me a guy. Do you want my whole ballot or do you want me to just throw a name out there who I'm voting for? Um, give us a guy. And then if either of us agree, we'll chime in and then we'll do that with the next guy. Todd Helton. Not I'm with me. you. I'm with you on Todd Helton. Okay. David, tell us why Todd Helton should be a hall of famer. You know, I, I really enjoyed watching Todd Helton play over the years. I mean, he was a model of consistency with the Rockies. Uh, 61 war is, is borderline to not quite enough. Uh, but almost 3,000 hits, 2,500 hits, a lifetime 316 batting average, 1,400 RBIs, OPS plus of 133, and career OPS of 953. Um, he did it all for, I think it was 17 seasons. Uh, rookie of the year, finished second rookie of the year, five-time All-Star, couple MVP votes. Uh, yep. I think he's highest finished fifth, I believe. He, he could go either way for some, and I, I, I understand – if he doesn't make it. Uh, but personally, I think what he did in Colorado for his entire career, just consistently year after year, warrants him a Hall of Fame vote for me. See, I think he's I think he's a Rockies Hall of Fame player, but if you look at the home road splits throughout his career, they're insanely drastic. And I hate to call him a Coors Field merchant, but that's exactly what he is. Uh, you already mentioned just a five-time all-star to me that's a really good player but that's not a hall of fame player most of the years that he spent in Colorado they were not a good team so he was just basically stat padding I know that they made the world series in 2007 but that's near the second trend second half of Heldon's career and there's just a downward spike in his production and you could tell near the end that he was just kind of struggling to get by and that the Rockies were ready to move a different direction and they're just kind of having him tail along as more of like nostalgia. My take is about Coors Field is that if you're going to have a major league baseball team in Colorado, that's just what, that's just what happens. I mean, that that's part of the game. You know, you, you could make, you know, arguments uh, for anybody that they, you know, benefited from their home ballpark owners and, uh, and franchises, alter their ball, alter their ballparks or build their ballparks, you know, to, to give advantages to their hitters and their pitchers. Um, so that's why you have all these different dimensions all over the place. Um, and it's one of the weird quirky things about baseball is that not one field is the same as another field in terms of the distances that it takes to hit a ball out of the park. So with Todd Helton, I, I, I give him all the credit in the world for what he was able to do. The knock on him, though, I think the bigger knock than Coors Field is kind of what Kevin touched on, which is the second half of his career kind of didn't keep it up. Uh, for the second half of his career was great during the first half of his career, but he led the Rockies to their first world series appearance in 2007. And I think Larry Walker getting into the hall of fame does Todd Helton a huge uh, service uh, because Larry Walker was the first Rocky to go in and 
you know, Larry Walker played a good chunk of his games at Coors Field. So if that's something that you're holding against Todd Helton, I don't think that that's fair. But I agree with David. I think he was good enough and he he just mashed uh, for a long time over yeah. the course of his career. And he was a great fielder, couple of gold gloves. I think he deserves to be in there. All right. Give us another guy. Scott Rowland. I have him. I have him too. So do I. I just think Scott Rowland, when you look at the course of his career, he was one of the best defensive third basemen of our lifetimes and probably baseball in general. He was just a force over there at third, anything that came his way. Obviously, he's no Nolan Arenado or Machado, but during his era, you could just count on Roland to make the big plays. He made a he made a few World Series with St. Louis. I know they got one, uh, 2006, obviously. Uh, the war is up there. I believe it's in the low 70s. Um, multiple All-Stars and just a high on base and high OPS and gr- very great player because he did it over a long period of time yeah his his overall stats are very similar to Todd Helton frankly uh the war is a bit higher uh, a couple more hits uh but he's right in the same area as Todd Helton overall was but didn't play in cores yeah I mean if you're going to penalize players for cores that's one thing but I'm personally not he didn't choose to play in cores field yeah his resume is pretty stacked I mean he's got a rookie of the year He's got, he's a seven time all star. Kevin mentioned he won the World Series in 2006 with the Cardinals, eight time gold glover. He has a silver slugger underneath his belt. And, um, as, yeah, I mean, he, he was just a good all around player. Um, and I think that he is one of the best fielding third basemen of all time. Yeah. And I think he deserves, I think he deserves to be in there. All right. Jake, you can give us a name. All right. Here's a name. Um, Jeff Kent. I have Jeff Kent as a yes. Okay. I know that David does not have Jeff yeah, Kent. Yeah, I do not. There. So here's my case for Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent did win an MVP. Um, and that is with Barry Bonds on the same roster. So that's an impressive feat in and of itself. But Jeff Kent, uh, he, he went to a World Series. Um, he leads... Uh, all-time second baseman in home runs and just consistently good. And even up until his last season uh, in the bigs, which was with the Dodgers, he was hitting 20 home runs at, you know, at a, at a really old age. Yep. So he literally was a model of consistency, never really had a bad year and was a pretty decent second baseman, not a great fielding second baseman, but got the job done. And I, I always felt that wherever he went, he was a force in the middle of anyone's lineup. And I think it, it speaks volumes uh, that he basically was the best power hitting second baseman of all time. And I think that he deserves to be in there for revolutionizing that position as a power hitting position, which it traditionally is not. That's fair. I, I just don't, I'm not rewarding him just for being a second baseman. Uh, I look at his numbers as a whole and I don't think he deserves to be in with just looking at his entire numbers. Uh, I could see it him being in, frankly. I mean, it's, it's a coin flip for me on this one, honestly. Uh, but I'm not rewarding him just for being a second baseman. I, I would have no problem having him in the hall of fame. And if, if he doesn't get in this year, I could, I, I might even switch my vote to voting for him next year. It's just, you know, it's, it's a coin flip. 
Yeah. So, so at age 39, he hit 20 home runs and drove in 79 runs for the Dodgers. That's incredible to me. The only reason his war isn't as high as it would be versus like an outfielder or a third baseman is because second base is just not a real defensive position. Like I think of all positions in baseball, they probably get the least amount of action, but uh, regardless, the stats indicate that this is, this is a hall of fame type of player. A career average over 17 seasons. He's a 290 hitter with a 356 on base, a 500 slugging, and he's doing this in ballparks like San Francisco and Los Angeles. True pitchers ballparks during that era. Um, 377 career home runs. I believe he has more career hits than Todd Helton. He does. Which speaks volume right there. He got the MVP. He's made multiple all-star teams. Actually, sorry, he doesn't. Todd Helton has about a hundred more hits. Okay. Well, regardless, it's still very close. 25. I think Kent was at 2,500 roughly. Um, and yes, I think the reason Jeff Kent isn't getting the love that he deserves is it's kind of like the Kurt Schilling treatment. There was a lot of controversy with some things that Jeff Kent said. He's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth right now. I know he was on survivor for a season, but <laughs> a lot of teammates did not like Jeff Kent. There were some, racial altercations as well in the past all right but how do you vote for jeff kent and not todd helton because if you stack up their numbers side by side it's todd helton by a landslide because todd helton played in Coors field jeff kent did a lot of this damage in san francisco New i don't York understand how you can hold a, a ballpark against yeah someone. that's what i'm not understanding either if you if, if major league baseball has a ballpark in you know in colorado then that's just you know, that's just how it shakes and, out. And here's my other argument. I forget which one of you said Larry Walker was the first Rocky in the Hall of Fame. I did. I understand they're a relatively newer franchise, but if if it's so easy to hit in Coors Field, why aren't there more Larry Walkers in the Hall of Fame who played their basically whole careers in Colorado? You know, it's I mean, it's you still got to hit. Because the thing with Todd Helton you know, if he's going to, if you want to consider him a Hall of Famer, then he needs to have 3,000 hits or 500 home runs because those are two milestones from the get go. And when you're a hitter in Coors Field, you're always going to have a leg up on all the other guys. Larry Walker has less hits, but he won an MVP. Less hits. And I, he was in 15 World's. more home runs, a lower career batting average, less RBIs. Okay, fine. And well, he had the war as well. He had like a 70 something war. Yeah, he has he has about 10 more war because he was an outfielder pretty much. So I mean they're it's tough to get Larry Walker in there and Jeff Kent in there if you're not gonna vote for Todd Helton. That's just my argument. Well, I feel like Larry Walker and Jeff Kent were more potent hitters than Todd Helton. All right. Uh do we have any other guys that we haven't brought up yet? I feel like we should just list off our ballots now and if there's any All right you know, disconnect or, or something else we talk about. We go can... first, David. All right. Um, if you've made it this far in the episode, you realize I'm not voting for anybody who took steroids or was accused of taking steroids. So my ballot is Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, and begrudgingly Kurt Schilling. Okay. Any comments, Jake? I had, so last year I made a ballot and I put Andrew Jones on there. 
I think I'm going to take him off this year just because I don't know. I've struggled with this, that Andrew Jones really was only good for seven years. And if you look at the seven year period, is that really a career? Like, is that really a, a long enough career to be judged on, to be put in the hall of fame? Now, granted those seven years were, were great. Uh, I, and they, I and think they, he was much more than seven. It, it's you look at his stats. It's from about 1998 to 2007. So it's I don't about, get why you have Andrew Jones, but you do so nine years. Jeff Kent beats Andrew Jones in about every offensive category, except I think home runs. I'll tell you why I put Andrew him. In, I, I had him originally in there because of his defense too. That's, that's where I'm going with this. I think Andrew Jones is, if not the best defensive center fielder, in MLB history, he's in the top three. Uh, pair that with 434 home runs, almost 2,000 hits, 150 steals. He gets my vote. I just think that whether you know whether it was seven good years or nine good years, the only good years that he had were were in Atlanta, and then after that, it just took a just a dive. I mean, as yeah. soon as he went to the Dodgers, we we talked about it last week. It was abysmal. His um, uh, physique just took a turn for the worse. So I think there's a longevity issue with Andrew Jones. Yeah. You know, his numbers are good and where he ranks among center fielders all time is actually in the top five, I believe. Um, and, and that's in, I, I believe that's in home runs. So he is, he is definitely worthy of consideration, but I, I don't know if I could keep him on my ballot this year. If I was voting, you want to go Jake? Sure. I mean, we already talked about the guys that are on my, all right, so here's my ballot, and we've already been over these guys, but um, I just told you that I'm going to take Andrew Jones off of my ballot. So right now, I just have Todd Helton, Jeff Kent, and Scott Rowland. And even though I said before that I'm maybe willing to budge on the whole Barry Bonds uh, not being suspended for steroids thing, I don't know if I I don't know if I can really get there personally. Uh, it may be it may take me a few more years, but I would be okay. Have you know if he were to get in, maybe on the the players uh, b- players ballot, the he will vet- too. the veterans committee um, down the road, which you know I think I think may happen. But my feeling is is that if you vote if you vote for Barry Bonds. It's a, it, it's a slippery slope because then now, now you're looking at Gary Sheffield. Now you're looking at um, a bunch of other guys. Alex Rodriguez. Well, Alex Rodriguez was suspended for steroids. So I'm just going off of guys that weren't. Um, I mean, Sammy Sosa had the corked bat, so he was suspended for something. Um, I'm just looking down the, down this list of, you know, Roger Clemens, you got to vote for. I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many different players then if that, if that's your criteria and it's, it's just, it's just tough. It just sucks. That steroid era is really, really annoying. Cause it kind of, you know, messes people's kind of, it, you know, it kind of, it ruined, it ruined baseball in a lot of ways. And it also made baseball exciting in, in a lot of other ways. So it, it's, it's a hard, um, you know, topic to really, for, for me to grapple with personally, but I do have a question for David, if he wants to explain his Billy Wagner pick, because I don't really think that he really did it for long enough. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to explain it. So before I do though, I just want to tell a quick Billy Wagner story. I was at Dodger stadium and I was with my dad 
and we had moved towards the visiting bullpen uh, at the end of the game. Uh, and I was probably about 10 years old, maybe, maybe 11 or 12. And I was yelling at the visitor visiting bullpen players. I was heckling them, telling them they're bad. They suck, blah, blah, blah. And Billy Wagner comes up to me and goes, Hey, come over here. And I was like, super scared as a 10 year old. I'm like, Oh man, what did I do? He like pulls me aside and he's like, Hey, that's not how you talk to people. You can't just yell at us like that. Like basically just scolding me. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, and I respected him for that because at the time I was like, wow, this guy's a huge jerk. But then later on, I was like, you know what? He was right. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be just yelling at people like for no reason. Now my hall of fame case, 422 saves, 900 innings, almost 1200 strikeouts, a whip below one and a 233 ERA. That to me I think closers don't get a fair shake in the hall of fame. I think more closers should be in the hall of fame. And I think how many are even in like three, three or four, like consistent closers. And I think Billy Wagner deserves to be in. I think he did it for a decent amount of time. I think he had a 15, 16 year career and he was pretty much elite for basically his entire career. Uh, I think there was, maybe one season where he was either hurt or not elite, but I, I don't see how, if you value saves and closers that you don't put Billy Wagner in the, in the hall of fame. I think, and I, and I I'm kind of talking uh, off the top of my head here, but I read somewhere that the knock on Billy Wagner is, is that he wasn't put in tough enough situations in terms of the saves that he got. He pitched for bad teams and didn't really pitch in the postseason. If you're stacking up, stacking him up against the best closers that have gotten into the hall of fame, like Mariano and Trevor Hoffman, and even Lee Smith, those guys, you know, does, does he stack up to those guys and where does he rank with those guys? The, the top, top closers of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's sixth, sixth all-time in saves. Uh, behind those three guys you listed, Frankie Rodriguez and John Franco. He trails John Franco by two saves. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about, Jake. Billy Wagner was in seven postseason years. He was? He was on those Astros teams Astros, that, that were good. The Astros and Braves was like a real rivalry back in the day. Yeah. All right. And he, he – few years on the Mets and the Mets were actually, you know, once a competent franchise. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually have Billy Wagner in there too. So I'll read off my ballot. It's funny that you're allowed to vote up to 10 guys. And we all kind of were stingy. I only have four guys. Yeah. Uh, so all the reasons that David already said, and that Wagner, I think arguably is the best left-handed closer of all time. So yeah, that's why I would give him the nod. Um, is that a thing? Uh, I mean, kind of not really, but I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Kent already talked about him. Scott Rowland already talked about him. And last but not least, very controversial, and no one's going to agree with me, but Tim Lincecum. I'll, yeah, I'll make I can't do it. I'll I can't make, make your case, but he, I'm just telling you now, he's never getting in the Hall of Fame. I know he's not. He's probably not going to survive this year. Yeah, I think this is, is his one shame. and done. But – no context. If I was to tell you that a pitcher won two Cy Young awards, was a three-time strikeout champion, was a three-time World Series champion, and was a four-time All-Star, 
where would you think he probably ranks among the great? It's a great, it's a great resume. No one's knocking the resume. He just didn't do it for long enough. I, and I know that's, and that's the biggest issue. I understand. And I know that's why ultimately he's not going to make the hall of fame because of that. But I have a little loophole. I think that if any pitcher wins two Saturn award winners, they should be a hall of famer no matter what, because what that tells me is that they were the best pitcher of that year. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's what uh, the award's all about. And he mm. did it twice. I don't know about that though, uh, because Jake if, Arrieta, if, if if Robbie Ray wins one more Cy Young, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. If what I if so. I mean, go to look at Clayton Kershaw, man. He got robbed out of two Cy Youngs. I mean, Jake Arrieta robbed oh. him one, and R. A. Dickey robbed him another. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about with Arietta. I think that was Grinky's year, for being honest. I disagree. But that's I don't, I don't I, look. Lincecum was. Lincecum also was the best pitcher in the National League the years he won. Like he was the face of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, there was a picture of him with Clayton Kershaw, like in his arms, doing like a. Yeah, he was great. He was dominant, and they and they, you know, they they were those San Francisco Giants teams were dominant, and they won three World Champions championships. That four year stretch from Lincecum was one of the best from a pitcher ever. Not the best, but one of the best ever. Right. If he had even come close to replicating that for another four or five years, he's a no-brainer in the Hall of Fame. But sadly, he, he completely fell off uh, entirely. So he's not going to get in. I, I get your vote because it's more of a, a protest vote just to shine light on how good he was for that uh, you know, short period of time. But Hall of Fame, you got to look at longevity, period. I mean, then you're, you're, you could counter it. I'm going to put myself in your shoes here and say, well, what about Sandy Koufax? Because that would be a good comparison. But Sandy Koufax did it for more than four years. He didn't quite do it for 15, 16, but he did it for more than four years. But if you look at Lincecum's three-year stretch, three yeah, three-year stretch from 2008 through 2010, that's the closest thing to Sandy Koufax dominance we've seen. Yeah, and that's, that's the shame with Hall of Fame voting is that there's just too much emphasis on longevity when I think that the hall should just recognize this player was dominant from this year to this year. Therefore give them their little section. Well, they no, fair and square. It's not like, well, they- you, you get into the hall of fame based on your career. Yeah. I mean that, that, that has to be a criteria. The recognition of his dominance was his two Cy Youngs. Right. Right. Can I just say, um, I looked up Billy Wagner's postseason stats, and this this is why this is what my argument was, and I didn't have the numbers to back it up. He was awful in the postseason. He had he pitched like you mentioned in eight series over uh, over the course of eight series. He had a ten point oh three ERA. He had a WHIP of one point nine seven one. He was terrible. So that's the knock on Billy Wagner is that. He just the the situations that he was put in, I don't think were tough enough, and he didn't rise to the occasion when it mattered most. So I think that's the knock on him. Well, then, my yeah, but that's is, eleven. What was it? Eleven or twelve innings? So is it then Madison Bumgarner of Hall of Famer because he always rose to the occasion in the postseason? I mean, there's a good there's a good case to be made, sure, but I don't think he's ever going to get in. Yeah, I wouldn't vote for him because I think postseason series are just too limited of a sample size when we're talking about Hall of Famers. Now, 
in terms of paying a guy for like that season, yes, it matters because you want to win the championship. Wait, so you don't you you think you value regular season over postseason? In terms of Hall of Fame voting, yeah, yeah, that's what this is all based off of, for the most part. I don't understand how how you can look at a player and not look at. I mean, yeah, granted, not every player gets the opportunity to be in the postseason every single year, but. I think it matters when you, when the state, when the lights are the brightest, can you perform? I think it matters when you get those opportunities. Well, if that was the case, then Kurt Schilling should be in by now. He should be. I, yeah, I think so. so too, based on his numbers. So I think your interpretation is that they should go off of that, but I think the voters in reality, they don't go off of that. Well, maybe because I, I don't know if there if there's a rule in there that says you have to look at regular season only to put everybody on an even playing field when you look at their careers. But that's not really fair if you've got guys that base, you know, it, it's a lot harder for a baseball player to a to affect the outcome of their of their team and put their team in the postseason like let, let's say a you know a quarterback in football or or you know a, you know, like LeBron James in basketball, you know, those guys have way more effect on the success of their team overall. Like Mike Trout, you know, Mike Trout can play as well as anybody, uh, best player, best player in the world, but those teams aren't going to the playoffs because they're just not good overall teams. But I think that once you get to the playoffs, I think that's fair game. That's part of your career. I just can't think of a single player where they didn't get they didn't get excluded because they had bad postseason numbers. I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty decent sample size for Billy Wagner. And yeah, I don't think Billy Wagner is one of those guys where he needs to be in the hall of fame. Like if he gets in good for him, but if he doesn't, I mean, that's how I feel about it too. I'm not going to be mad if he gets in. I, I agree, but he, I think he deserves to be in. Yeah. I think in terms of just what he did for closers, he deserves the recognition because then what is that going to do for Kenley Jansen in a few years? Because he had a number of blown postseason saves. So are we going to make the same argument for Jansen? Dominant in the regular season, but too many hiccups. Well, Kenley's got to put together a couple more seasons to even get in that conversation. And he will. He, he definitely will unless he gets injured. Like he, He's not going to retire within the next two years, I imagine. I think he'll do well in Philadelphia. Yes, I agree. <laughs> well, they got Knable, so I don't think that's happening. We'll see. Maybe Miami. He wants to go somewhere. All right. What do we got next, Kevin? We got a couple questions. Just real. Yeah, we do have some questions, but just real quick, because I don't think we brought his name up at all. And the one guy that probably is going to get voted in, at least the trajectory right now is David Ortiz. Not in my book. Yeah, I left him off too. I think he should get in maybe eventually, but he was busted for, or he, I don't know if he was busted or punished, but he was on. He was linked to steroids. I think in two thousand three when he was on Minnesota. Maybe it was two thousand one. I'm blanking. Now that's a guy that that was a postseason hero time and time again. So you're not going to look at that when you look at him. I mean, let put the steroids aside. You know, so that that's something to consider for sure. He had great regular seasons. I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm saying that a lot of what made him, you know, special was his postseason performances. Definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about him another time, but unless he gets in, of course, then I guess we can't really debate it. Yeah. A couple questions. First one coming from our pal Phil at 
intern underscore Phil on Twitter. If you could eat dinner with any Dodger player and ask them whatever you want, who would it be? And what would you all talk about? That's a good question. Any Dodgers player ever? I think you said current. It's not specified. Okay, let's make it any Dodgers player ever. So alive or dead, which makes it easier for all of us now. That makes it way harder. (laughs) I know, I'm joking. (laughs) Because current Dodger player would be easy, but now I'm debating between two guys. So why don't you go first, please? All right. I'll make this easy. I'm having dinner with Clayton Kershaw, and what we're going to talk about is the 2020 World Series run and what just his emotions were kind of like what went through his mind when he had to be scratched with the back spasms, but then he bounced back to pitch uh, in Texas against Atlanta and then basically dominate the Rays twice. A good one. That would be my selection if it was current Dodger players, for sure, hands down. I'm going to go with Sandy Koufax. I want to have dinner with Sandy. I uh, want to you know, talk to him about uh, – the world series that he pitched in um, the four, no hitters. I want to talk to him about literally any, any story that he's willing to tell me any insight on what happened during, you know, this no hitter, that no hitter, the perfect game. Uh, You know, I'd, I'd love to get into all of that and what it, what it was like to pitch in that era where, you literally there was you know what there was no bullpen. I mean, basically you were you were it, and um, yeah, they brought in relievers, but but starting pitchers were asked to just basically pitched until their arm fell off. So I just want to talk to him about you know all of that, and hopefully had some good stories. Yeah, I'm I'm joining you at the dinner table, Jake. <clears throat> I'm also going with Sandy Koufax. I I was debating him and Jackie Robinson. Uh, but I figure I can talk to Sandy Koufax about playing with Jackie Robinson because uh, contrary to what some people think, they did play a couple times or were on the same team at least for one year. Um, it was a tough call between the two of them, but I would love to talk to Sandy Koufax just about life in general and what his career would have been like if Tommy John was a thing back then and how far he could have gone and what's it like to just have to retire at age 30 basically all right this is a three-parter part two oh god what do you do with merch what do you do with the merch of former dodger players who have left to play on other teams i mean it depends what who basically uh but i mean that's a good thing to keep uh, i don't know why you wouldn't keep it and wear it from time to time or just have it to reflect on and be like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy. And I've, I've been a fan for this long now. So I would, I would keep it unless it's like, you know, a Josh Reddick giveaway or something like that. That'd be funny though. I, I always, I always think about like, you know, what if I, what if I went out and brought, bought like a Brian Dozier Jersey, you know, just for, <laughs> just for kicks, you know, just to, just to have to, to have a laugh of like, you know, some weird players that were on the Dodgers at one time, like Fred McGriff or like Garrett Anderson's random guys that were, that played on the Dodgers throughout the years. But I think that like, you know, the, the jerseys, the, the Manny Ramirez 99, that's an iconic Jersey for what it was at the time. And um, yeah, I think you, you keep, you keep, you hold on to those for sure. That, that Eric Gagne t-shirt with the fuzzy beard. Oh, I wore that to school all the time. Yeah. I had that one. That beard got ruined in the wash, but I didn't care. Yeah. I love that shirt. Every time you washed it, it lost a little bit of its beard. Yeah. I just keep them in my closet 
to never be worn again. Stems back to my string of bad luck, Eric Gagne. I got his, and then a year later, had to get Tommy John surgery. Then I got J.D. Drew, who had, like, an awesome year, but then he opted out and left the Dodgers in free agency. Then I changed it up. I got Corey Seager when he was called up. I ordered it, like, from China during his September call-up rookie year. That was able to last a while, but now that will also be retired. So that's where I stand with some of those uh, former Dodgers. And finally – don't don't buy a Mookie Betts jersey, Kevin. Please, we need him for uh, about yeah, ten please, more years. Yeah, please, please don't do that he, with your track does he, record. Does he have any opt outs? <laughs> 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 Who's more slappable, Mad Bum, Correa, or Altuve? Carlos Correa. It's Carlos Correa for sure. It's Jose Altuve for me. Why is it Why is it Altuve for you? He has like the most annoying little smirk when he does anything, and. I don't know. Just every time he comes up to at, at bat, especially against the Dodgers, I just feel like he's being a little shit. I think out of that whole group, he's the one with the most class. I would say Madison Bumgarner is probably the one. With well, the no, I'm class. talking about the Astros. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, George Springer for me, if we're counting him. Yeah. 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 Those two, I guess. All right. Next up. Thank you, Phil. From... Josh, uh, at Flip Mid, out of left field, what's the best Christmas present you've ever received? Can be received as a kid or adult. Uh, it's hard for me because I honestly cannot remember almost anything I've gotten for Christmas. Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I mean, I can't remember I what mean, I... The, the thing that I remember like being the most excited for was um, my my parents would would buy me... Uh, and my brother like um, motorized like little cars, like they look like little jeeps, um, like and they look like little safari jeeps that you that you drive around. And I mm-hmm. just remember being the most excited, waking up on Christmas Day and seeing you know a new. Jeep. I think we got two of them back to back years or, or a few years apart or whatever. And I just remember getting and just being like the most excited because. For whatever reason, I had a fascination uh, growing up with with driving. Like I wanted to just drive everything, like golf carts and things and, and anything. So I felt like that was like the the greatest gift because of just how excited I was for it. For me, I can't even remember if this was a Christmas or birthday gift, but regardless, it was a gift and it was it was a game changer for me. And that was when I got a Nintendo GameCube. Yeah, obsessed yep. with that console. So many awesome games. In my opinion, it's the best. It's the best video game console ever created. Just so many classics and Mario Kart Double Dash, always a good time. Yeah, I'm with Kevin. I, the GameCube and the Xbox were game changers, whatever years those were. Uh, but going back, I think the earliest thing I remember is when I was little, I was obsessed with the garbage man and garbage trucks. I just loved <laughs> like looking at the garbage truck when they would come and collect the trash and and watching like the little kid cartoon or like not really cartoons but just like the construction type stuff and i just remember getting all these this huge garbage truck toy so i think that would be my my young memory and then like kevin the gamecube and then the original xbox were were legit gifts were you guys you guys played nintendo 64 though of course yeah Yeah. that was the that was the og console ken griffey jr baseball 98 star fox slugfest uh, 
What else was there? Man, I mean, Mario, so Mario Kart, Mario yeah, Party, Mario 64, Super, Super Mario. <laughs> yeah, the regular Mario. Super All Smash those were Bros. great. Yeah, I always hated Super when people Smash said Bros. people called it Mario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Right. Pronounce it right. Speaking of out of left fields, uh, we have some time left. Do you want to do one this week, David? I got one. Go. Oh. Okay. All right. I'm going to jump into this one. Yep. Okay. I think that we need to put in jail or give some sort of fine to, or even maybe execute. I don't know. People that put uh, reindeer antlers on their car. The, yeah, the, those people suck. the <laughs> reindeer antlers with the, with the Rudolph nose on the front. And then it looks like, you know, it's supposed to be a tail coming out the back, but it looks like poop. Like it just, <laughs> the whole thing is just so, cheesy and i am all for the holiday spirit i do like christmas music i do like the christmas lights i do like celebrating that you know the holiday season and all that stuff but god i don't know what it is but those reindeer antlers just piss me off so much and i i just think that we need to they need to be dealt with yeah what about those uh i think it's lift who does that the little mustaches on the front too oh yeah yeah they got rid of that okay yeah i remember those yeah i agree those people suck um okay mine this is going to be a bit of a teaser for something we're going to do in our next episode but my out of left field is so i go to the gym quite a bit and my out of left field is the people who i would want to never fight and or have on my team during a fight are the the people at the gym who are above let's say 40 years old and who lift wearing jeans. <laughs> People do that? Yes. There is no good reason to lift in jeans. But if you are over 40 and I see you lifting at the gym wearing jeans, one, I would never, ever cross you. Two, I think you are the scariest people on the planet. Uh, and three, I want you on my team for whatever ha- is happening in the future because that takes a level of, not caring and just straight up like dad slash old man strength that I just humbly admire. And I hope to become you one day. That's like a Brett Favre vibe. Like I feel like, yeah, but like cooler than Brett Favre. Brett (laughs) Brett Favre is kind of lame. Like these guys are just like straight up, like just dudes. And there's this one guy specifically at my gym who I see who, who lifts in jeans most of the time. And he looks like he's probably 50, 55 years old. Got, he's got a, the gray mustache and wears a Raider hat and in jeans. And you just nev- would never want to fight him, ever. Yeah. Just getting the lift in before they go to the construction site to build some Yeah, shit. and he's not even like a, you know, he's not like built like a linebacker. He just looks like a normal dude, but like just old man strength up the ass. All right, Kevin, what do you got? My, my out of left field is in the Christmas spirit. It's the 10 essential Christmas movies that you need to watch in your lifetime. So I'll go in uh, reverse order. Number 10, The Night Before. Number nine, Love Actually. Number eight, The Santa Claus. Number seven, Die Hard. Number six, Home Alone. Number five, Christmas Vacation. Number four, Jingle All the Way. Number (laughs) three, Miracle on 34th Street. Number two, Elf, and number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Nice. Well done. 
Jingle All the Way is list. great. I love Jingle All the Way. It's it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sinbad. <laughs> and they're going for that last toy, baby. Turbo Love Man. it. Most underrated Christmas movie. It's yeah, it list. really is. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about Christmas? I think I've seen all of those films. Nice. Yeah. Anything else holiday or Christmas related you want to cover real quick before we do our final subject? I think we're, I think we're good on. All right. We'll just, we'll do this one quicker since I think we need to wrap this episode up pretty soon. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about, give me one or two Dodgers players that left the Dodgers via either a trade or free agency right when they were either about to enter their prime or they were in the thick of their prime. And I want you to tell me those players that you wish could have had their Dodgers career extended. So don't give me guys like Pedro Martinez, who was just a prospect or no Jordan Alvarez, or I don't even think Paul Konerka would qualify. So Jake, I know you have a big one. So let's start with you. Okay. So I put this on Twitter yesterday, but um, the number one for me is Adrian Beltre. And a number of reasons why is because he was, he was our guy. I believe we signed him at like 18, 19, something like that. He's, he, he struggled when he first came up. He was a little wild in, in terms of his plate discipline, but when he locked in that 2004 season, he had 48 home runs the and at the time was uh i believe that was the dodgers record at the time before sean green came along or well no sean green set that set that mark before that but at, at any rate 48 home runs he actually never hit 40 home runs ever again after after that season but that was when frank mccourt was at the helm and paul de podesta was there as the gm and they let him walk to go to the Mariners, he signs a five-year, $64 million contract, which is nothing. I mean, it was something back then at that time, but nothing given what he became afterwards. And I know Kevin pointed out that he didn't really have that great of a career in Seattle. That's fine. But when he, once he left and went to Boston and then he went to Texas, when he became a Ranger, he had a resurgence. But the Dodgers had zero third baseman from the time Adrian Beltre left up until Justin Turner. They yeah. tried everybody. Nobody stuck. Nobody stuck around for more than a season or two. And it was just a, it's just a constant hole over there. And I felt like we really did need to keep them. And I knew at the time that it was a terrible move and it just ended up being an awful move. And I always, I will never not be angry about that. And I always wanted to see Adrian Beltre come back. He never did, but it's just, it just sucks that he's, pretty much he's going to go into the hall of fame as a texas ranger yeah he played eight seasons with texas versus seven in los angeles but because we did him dirty like that you know he's going in as a ranger yeah yeah all right mine uh might surprise you uh my first one is gary sheffield Uh, that's a good one that's a great one yeah i'm with you on that he played half a season in 98 with the dodgers and then three seasons after that but once he left the Dodgers, he had three more all-star seasons, 25 home runs, 39, 36, 34 uh, in New York and Atlanta. I loved Gary Sheffield. Uh, obviously, I didn't know about the whole steroid dilemma, uh, but I loved watching him play as a Dodger. He was one of my favorite Dodgers growing up. My, I would have loved to see him at least three or four more years as a Dodger. My second one is going to surprise you. 
Manny Machado. Um, I think in a larger sample size, he would have done very big things for the Dodgers. Oh, um, no doubt. He kind of got a bad rap for, you know, not really hustling and, and kind of not being super great in that postseason. He kind of carried us in the regular season while he was there. Uh, I don't like him personally. I, I definitely don't like him now, but had we acquired him a, a year or two before that and had at least two seasons with him, I think we might've, might've won a world series. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, um, I think he's a great player, but my dispute to that is if we got Machado, then there's no way in hell they have Mookie Betts. I'm not saying sign Machado. I'm, I'm let me make that clear. I I'm saying trade for him earlier. So you don't offer him the 300 million. You just acquire him from the Orioles two two years earlier or something like that. I see. Yeah, that's a good point then. Thank you. Oh, sorry. I didn't add my second guy just real oh, quick. I want my, yeah, let me give mine though. Okay, you, go ahead. Let me give me one. Jason Worth. Probably a name you wouldn't think of right off the bat of all the great Dodgers players. But Jason Worth, I feel like, when they let him go, I think he missed all of 2006 due to a knee injury or something, so he didn't play. He signed a one-year, $800,000 prove-it deal with the Phillies. In four seasons with Philadelphia, he had an 885 OPS. Then he signed the big contract with the Nationals. Production dipped a little bit, but still put up a 788 OPS. He played uh, 15 years overall, 13 in the National League those 13 NL seasons, 227 home runs. Uh, obviously, not a, he's not a Hall of Famer or a superstar by any means. But if we had Jason Wirth, he was a great potent bat with the Dodgers. And I feel like during his kind of brief tenure in Los Angeles, we never really gave him that fair of a share. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, that is a really good one. I, 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 I respect you for that, for that choice. And I, and I agree with every point you just made, honestly. And, and we, don't re, we don't really think about that as a, you know, after Jason worth left, we, not a lot of people talk about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, my second guy, even though after he, uh, left the Dodgers, uh, didn't really do much and in his, his career kind of, uh, fizzled out after that. But I was so upset when the Dodgers traded Sean green, yeah. I hated that. It was not only, a bad trade in my opinion, but we got Deoner Navarro from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Who I, I couldn't stand Deoner Navarro. He was a frustrating catcher that we had never really panned out. And Sean green. I felt I wanted him to stay in LA. I just, I just have always wanted that. I always wanted him to finish his career with the Dodgers, but he didn't end up burning the Dodgers in 2006 in that, in that playoffs when he was with the Mets when he gunned down both J.D. Drew and Jeff Kent at the plate in that relay, that killed us in that series. And we weren't able to recover from that point on. So who knows what would have happened if the Dodgers had won that, you know, NLDS in 2006. But at any rate, I always wanted Sean Green to finish his career with the Dodgers. Do you have another one, David? Uh, no, I gave my two. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. So real quick, I'll just I'll do it real brief. Very off the wall, but I wanted to go with someone more current. Tony Watson probably will have some people have their uh, eyebrows raised, but I'll give you my logic. Why his half season with the Dodgers, he put up a 270 ERA. 
I felt like he was one of the best relievers we had in the pen, especially in 2017, obviously. And then we let him walk. He didn't even sign for that much. His replacement ended up being Scott Alexander. And what does Alexander do? We all know what happens in the World Series. Walks uh, Mitch Moreland, which leads to the eventually the Ryan Madsen meltdown. I mean, imagine if we had Tony Watson coming in after Rich Hill in the World Series. Who knows what go- goes on to happen? I've, and then in 2019, Watson probably still would be under contract. Do they bring Watson out of the pen to face Rendon and Soto instead of Clayton Kershaw? We'll just never know. But it <laughs> You're torturing like, yourself with it this. It seemed like there was this two-year gap. Until bro, the, bro, they bring in Caleric. It's We're not even having this conversation. Yeah, it's game over. It's just Dave Roberts just well, shit his pants, man. Yes, but uh, Rendon batted in front of Soto, and Caleric would never be facing Rendon. No, Rendon hits the home run. That's fine. That home take, run didn't hurt take, us. Take Kershaw I, out aware. after yeah, that. I'm, I'm yeah. aware, but still, okay. it's it's like a series of unfortunate events. It, it more has to do with 2018, though, because Scott. Alexander, I agree with you. I don't. I don't agree with you in 2019 because they they had a guy. Yeah, they, they kind. Yeah, I mean, sort of. But Juan but, Soto didn't touch Adam Kalera. He owned him. I know. He, but he was him. his the dad. Thing, the thing with Watson is he he had the ability to get both righties and lefties out. Kalera obviously just dominated lefties, which is fine. But I'm thinking long game here. Right, but let's say let's say he gives up the home run to uh, Rendon. The Dodgers still have the lead at that point. You take him out. You know, I get I get what you're saying, but. The Dodgers had someone, they didn't the, use him. The, the point of the story is Kalerik was a, a loogie, left-handed specialist. I felt like there was a two-year gap until we had Victor Gonzalez in 2020 where we didn't have a dominant lefty coming out of the pen. It was kind of like a hold your breath, like Alex Wood did it for us. Kalerik did it for us, but he had to face lefties. You put him against a righty, it was almost death. The moral of the story is Watson dominated both sides of the plate, and I didn't understand why they chose Tony Singrani over him when Singrani ended up just being hurt the rest of his Dodgers career. Yeah, he was annoying. All right, we're we're out of time here. Everyone, hope you have a great and wonderful Christmas and you get to spend it with your loved ones and your family. The next time you're here, you'll hear from us might be in the new year. So with that being said, everyone have a happy new year. Uh, unless we record again, I don't even know what day it is. It's the 23rd. Maybe we will record before the new year. Who knows? Everything's up in the air. Things are crazy out here, folks. You read the news, you'll know why. But <laughs> that being said, happy holidays. Go Dodgers. Let's get this lockout figured out in January because this is bullshit. I need some offseason news. And bring Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers because six years, $180 million, that's chump change for uh, the Guggenheim. So make it happen. And go blue, beat Georgia. <laughs> all right, later all, Incline is out.